0: It's a big welcome from me, Damon Cox, to the Organist Encores on Mechanical Music Radio. A huge thanks to James Dundon for uh, inviting me to broadcast to you on this platform and indeed bring you something a little bit different once a week at eight o'clock. Now, the organist encores is all traditionally based around theatre organs or cinema organs, as they sometimes were known. Uh, So before we get on with any music that you might hear in a typical show, let's have a little bit of history for you with this uh, mini-sode that I put together uh, about a year ago. So here we go. The sounds of the Symphony Hall Birmingham organ with the Toccata of Vidal's Fifth Symphony as played by one of the world's finest organists, Thomas Trotter. new to the sounds of the organ you might wonder why the cinema organ sounds a little different in the main from the sounds of the mighty classical organ but in order to understand we have to go back in time and uh, quite a long way so it's time for me to cue that sort of very stock cheesy harp time travel sound effect picture it Ancient Greece in the 3rd century BC, hummus, feta cheese and the origins of the pipe organ can be traced back to the ancient instrument, the hydraulis, which would have sounded something a little bit like this. This humble instrument was in fact the genesis of the pipe organ, in which the wind supply was created by the weight of displaced water in an airtight container. (laughs) Skipping forward to the 12th century, the organ began to evolve into a complex instrument capable of producing different timbres. An organ with great leaden pipes was sent to the west by the Emperor Constantine V as a gift to Pepin the Short, King of the Franks in 1757. What about in this country? Well, the first organ of which any detailed record exists was built in Winchester Cathedral in the 10th century. It was apparently a huge machine with 400 pipes, which needed two men to play it and 70 men to blow it. And that's an awful lot of wind. And apparently the sound could be heard throughout the city. Oh, they loved a bit of melodrama back then. By the 17th century, with lots of development notably in France, most of the sounds available on the modern classical organ had been developed. From that time, the pipe organ was the most complex man-made device, a distinction it retained until it was displaced by the telephone exchange in the late 19th century. telephone exchange should be mentioned at this point because the next stage of the organ's development from the church to the cinema came from Houghton, the Wirral in Cheshire. Robert Hope Jones was born in 1859 and by the time he was in his late teens he was working as chief electrician of the Lancashire and Cheshire Telephone Company. In connection with his telephony work he invented a multitude of improvements, some of which were latterly in universal use. It was Hope Jones' knowledge of the telephone exchange and his love of music that would spark a journey into organ building. And in 1890, Hope Jones had set himself up as a business to build electronic organs. Among his innovations in the field of organ design were improvements to the electro-pneumatic action, that's to say the bit between the console and the pipework and the invention of such stops as the diphone, which was initially invented as the foghorn, and the modern tibia clausa. His organs were also noted for the use of stop tabs instead of the more traditional draw knobs. Very high wind pressures, that's to say the amount of wind being blown through the pipe at any given time, were also introduced to closer imitate orchestral instruments. Hope Jones's collaboration with Rudolf Wurlitzer at the Wurlitzer Company in 1914 also brought about the more liberal use of expression and a stronger use of tremulence. Let's take a look at the Cinema Organ a little closely. The console, the bit you can see, will have two, three, four, or even five keyboards. These are referred to as manuals. Around the manuals, in a horseshoe-shaped array, the Organist, or yourselves, will find a selection of stop tabs in various colours, and at various pitches. The colour schemes do vary between manufacturers. Yes, it wasn't just the mighty Wurlitzer that was imported to the UK. Several British companies soon caught on to the idea of making cinema organs, some of which were the John Compton Organ Company of Acton, Hill Norman and Beard who branded their cinema organs as Christie's, the Spurden Rutt Organ Company of Leighton, the Hilsden Organ Company of Glasgow, and the Jardine Organ Company of Manchester. and All of these brands had their own unique tonality. You will also hear our presenters talk about ranks of pipes. This refers to a particular family of pipes and the number that are included within the organ. Tibia clausa is the backbone of any theatre organ, so whereas you would expect the classical organ to sound like this, the theatre organ would actually sound a little like this in the main. The cinema organ would also incorporate a more orchestral range of instruments such as clarinet, orchestral oboe, saxophone, There are also ranks with peculiar names such as crummit and Kinura which although sound a little odd on their own can be used to great extent when mixed with other ranks. Not only is a selection of more orchestral pipework included in the cinema organ, but a range of percussions, both tuned and non-tuned, and I'm sure you don't need me to tell you some of these sound effects which will be familiar to anybody. And just for some context, all of those instruments that you hear, both tuned and non-tuned, are actual instruments. There is a full-scale xylophone glockenspiel individually operated by motors and hammers. These instruments are complex machines. The use of the electronic relay meant that the console could be totally detached from the pipework. This meant that the console would often be found placed on lift platforms that could rise into the spotlight. It also meant the introduction in later years of illuminated surrounds, a glass structure around the console that would change colour for theatrical effect. So there you have it, the birthplace of the organ in the cinema, and a little insight into the development of the organ from its third century Greek roots right the way through to the early stages of the cinema organ in Great Britain. Well, you're all educated now. In fact, the worlds of mechanical music and cinema organ music are not too dissimilar, uh, thanks to places like Turner's Musical Merry-Go-Round, Firstford, the Grange in Norfolk, St Albans uh, Organ Theatre, and uh, countless other venues up and down the country where there is a pipe organ, a cinema pipe organ, along with uh, mechanical musical instruments. So I thought for this special show I would dig through my archive and find some examples where the world of mechanical music has also impacted on the world of the cinema organ. And the first of these is a contribution by Jesse Crawford. Now, in the Wurlitzer organ's development, uh, they were quite often sold to uh, wealthy people in residences. Now, sometimes these people couldn't be played. So Wurlitzer added a role in... ...playing mechanisms to some of their instruments. Uh, This meant that leading artists of the day could sit and record uh, a studio organ... ...and uh, would punch out their notes on the rolls... ...and therefore people at home could listen to the likes of Jesse Crawford... uh, ...and not have to get up and learn to play the instrument themselves. Now there were quite a number of these rolls... ...and it wasn't until the 1970s that any of them were recorded... So here's Jesse Crawford on the Richard Villman studio organ which had three manuals and 13 ranks and according to the sleeve notes of this double LP it wasn't too dissimilar to the organ that Crawford cuts the rolls on. Anyway here's two: baby's birthday party and the wedding of the painted doll. <laughs> American organist Jesse Crawford uh, being reproduced thanks to the magic of mechanical mechanisms at the Richard Villeman studio organ in 1975. Like Jesse Crawford, a number of the artists of the 20s and 30s allowed their music to be recorded so that it could be reproduced mechanically, and Fat Waller was another person who had a prolific output of piano rolls. Fats Waller was also quite a good organist and played a number of cinema organs in this country and in the States but never recorded any dedicated roles to that and there is in actual fact not that much recorded material of Fats Waller playing organs anyway. So that sparked the idea with Ron Curtis in the 1980s to see if he could get the output from a pianola scroll and play it back through his Compton organ in his studio in Bolton. He successfully managed to uh, dedicate certain parts of the piano scale uh, to represent what would be pedals on the organ, the accompaniment, and then the melody line, and Ron studied Fats Waller's organ recordings to build up a sound basics in terms of registration on the instrument. Anyway, it works very well, so here is... Nobody but my baby is getting my love. Magic of Fats Waller brought to life on Ron Curtis's studio organ in Bolton, thanks to some ingenious wiring, no doubt. Next up, a track from American organist Jim Riggs. He was creative enough to accompany uh, Ampico piano rolls on the Little River Studio Wurlitzer. Now, this combination, I don't know why it's never been done before and why it hasn't been done since, because uh, they are quite fun. So here then is uh, Ampico Pianola and Jim Riggs with Dance of the Blue Danube. Jim Riggs plus Ampico role, Dance of the Blue Danube. Now that's all I can find really in my archive of the worlds where the theatre organ and the mechanical music world have crossed over, apart from in such venues, so I thought I would choose two from either side of the Atlantic to close this week's show. For the first of these we start stateside at the San Filippo Music Salon in Barrington Hills, Illinois, Uh, Not only do they have one of the world's largest theatre organs, a Wurlitzer, although not all of it is Wurlitzer, having a five manual console and 80 ranks of pipes, they also have a number of mechanical music uh, items in the collection. Anyway, the Wurlitzer there is mighty fine, and here's Lynn Larson with Harry Warren's The Shadow Waltz. And then the second is a track very much close to home, uh, at the Firstford Collection in Norfolk, which have been collecting uh, mechanical music instruments, Wurlitzers, steam engines and everything of that era since the 1970s. And of course, who else than Robert Wolfe with the original Dixieland One Step. But first, Harry Warren's The Shadow Waltz and Lynn Larson. Oh There you have it. Lynn Larson, the Shadow Waltz and Robert Wolf at Firstford with the original Dixieland One Step bringing this introductory show of the organist encores to a close. Now, how does the show work? Well, there's three presenters. There's myself, Damon Cox, and I'm joined with John Leeming, who's one of the vice presidents of the Cinema Organ Society, and, of course, ex-BBC presenter and uh, one person who I'm sure needs no introduction, Nigel Ogden. So we all have different weeks. I take the first and third weeks of the month. Uh, John takes the fourth, and Nigel takes the second. So depending on what week you tune in will depend on what presenter you have. But of course, the aim of these shows, as always, is to bring the finest examples of cinema organ music we possibly can to your ears. Anyway, I do hope that you'll be able to join us live next Thursday at 8pm as this show goes out. And from me, Damon Cox, take care and enjoy the music.